Chapter forty seven of Carpenter's Geographical Reader Africa by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Natal, the Garden of South Africa. Today we leave the high, dry plateau and make our way by railroad down to the Indian Ocean through Natal, the Garden of South Africa. This country was one of the first discovered by the Portuguese when vasco da gama in fourteen ninety seven came around the cape of good hope he made a short voyage up the east coast and on christmas day the natal day or birthday of our saviour entered the beautiful bay on which durban the chief city of natal stands he called the place port natal in honour of this discovery and this has been adopted as the name of the colony about it port natal is the best harbour on the eastern coast of the continent and almost one thousand vessels call there every year railroads have been built from durban to the high plateau and goods for johannesburg and the towns north of it are brought there and sent over these roads we take the train at johannesburg for durban the cars are comfortable and we could if we wished make the journey of four hundred and eighty miles in one day the first part of our trip is over the high dry brown plateau upon which cattle sheep and goats are everywhere feeding we cross the Vaal river and a little later are in the drakensberg mountains we go down to the coast over a succession of terraces beautifully green we pass by ravines carpeted with maidenhair ferns riding now through wooded hills and again over rolling meadows where fat cattle are feeding there are many fine farms with comfortable homes some are fenced with green hedges and there are frequent groves with trees from one hundred to one hundred and fifty feet high the crops change from time to time as we pass from the plateau down to the sea on the highlands there are fields of barley oats and maize and fine cattle and sheep farther down are orchards of peaches and apples and lower still tea and coffee plantations along the coast the climate has a tropical character and there are fields of rice sugar-cane and tobacco together with lemon and orange groves mango groves and great beds of pineapples natal can grow almost any fruit known to man and it exports oranges and pineapples to the other colonies about it is so rich that we wish we could tarry to enjoy the green fields and the beautiful fruits we stop at one of the stations in the lower part of the colony to visit a tea plantation tea leaves are not unlike those of a rose bush and the bushes are much like our boxwood the plants are grown from the seed and are set out during the wet weather at the beginning of september the south african spring or at the end of march in the autumn they are planted in rows about five feet apart and carefully cultivated when they are three or four years old the leaves are first plucked and after that from time to time during the summer our plantation belongs to an englishman and we have no trouble in learning how tea is raised the rough work is done by natives we see kaffir men digging up the rich soil and cultivating the plants and kaffir women and boys leaning over the dark green bushes picking the tea into baskets which they carry to the factory on their heads a girl can pick about thirty pounds of leaves in a day we follow some of the tea pickers to the factory and see them spread the green leaves out upon the drying floors here they are left until they become withered they are now as soft as silk 
and can be rolled into the shape of the tea leaves of our stores this is done by machinery the leaves are then dried and packed up in lead-lined boxes for shipment to all parts of the world natal has now thousands of acres of tea plantations the product of which amounts to several million pounds of tea every year going on with our journey we visit dairy farms tobacco fields sugar estates and pineapple plantations finding the white people everywhere prosperous they own the best lands and the natives are working for them this is so common throughout south africa that it is said the whites form the brains and the blacks the muscle of the country the natives here as in most parts of south africa are bantus they are kaffirs or zulus who formerly lived in villages scattered over the country owning cattle and sheep there are still kaffir farms and also reservations lands which the natal government has set aside for the natives as we have set aside lands for our indians these kaffirs live in low round beehive-shaped huts made of poles thatched with straw over which is tied a network of ropes such a hut is often surrounded by a fence or hedge inside which the cattle are kept at night some kaffir villages have such stockades enclosing all the houses and sometimes a field will be fenced in outside the village for the stock the interiors of these native huts are of the rudest description the floor is the ground and there is little or no furniture except a few pots or kettles the cooking being done over the coals we stop off a day on our way to the coast at pietermartsburg the capital of natal it is situated in the hills about seventy miles above durban and is noted for its delightful surroundings the climate is excellent there is plenty of rain and the grass is green all the year round the houses are built of bright red brick made of a clay nearby and many of them have beautiful gardens we call upon the governor and visit the legislative council building where the laws for the colony are made we find english people everywhere and are told that most of the whites come from england and scotland the dutch being few again taking the train two hours brings us to durban on the indian ocean hundreds of miles below lorenzo marquez and more than eight hundred miles from the cape of good hope as we come out of the station we see all sorts of vehicles ready to take us to different parts of the city there are cabs and carriages with east indian malay or native african drivers there are street cars moved by electricity engine rickshaws with men in the shafts we each choose a jinriksha at two shillings an hour and are soon trotting through the streets behind some of the queerest steeds of the world the jinriksha men are zulus wearing white cotton tunics trimmed with red calico and white trousers cut off at the knees every man has his head dressed his own way some have cow horns fastened to the skull and the hair wrapped around them others have strings tied to their wool to which fluffy balls are attached and others have the hair combed so that it stands out like mops on their heads they are good-humoured fellows and we go like the wind as they take us from one part of the city to another we first visit the wharves where there are great ships from england germany and other parts of europe loading coal brought from the mines of northern natal the coal is carried into the ships in baskets by zulus a long line of men marching up and down for hours at a time we then go back to the city and spend some time riding through its wide streets zulus are employed as policemen 
and good order is everywhere kept our jinrikshaw men take us to the schools the parks and the botanical garden ending the journey at the public bathhouse near the town hall here we go for a swim the tank is ninety feet long thirty feet wide and three feet deep at one end and eight feet deep at the other after our bath we take a streetcar ride through the town and then shop in the stores many of the smaller establishments are kept by east indian merchants who wear great turbans of various colors they have a large part of the trade of the natives they are also peddlers carrying goods about from place to place end of chapter forty seven